Blog Talk Radio. Come of age is due to release in March to a month from now. 
He's 12. <laughs> He's 12 years old. It's like all these 12. people we, become, we keep on talking about are kids who have had album, uh, their debut album or they've had multiple albums, and they are kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and this little guy has this extraordinary voice. And uh, it just took me. I, mean, I chuckled when I listened to him. I can't believe it. You know, it's like uh, it's like kids now are talented than adults, I think. You know, I don't know what's going on here. Maybe uh, the parents are just working on their kids. <laughs> Indeed. That's what, this show is, that's what this show is about, you know. It's about kids, and it's about what they're doing with music. And I'm hoping that this, this guy, his instrument is his vocals, and he's an actor, and he's a singer, and he, he's got soul. And he was born in 1997. He's... I think now he's 14 now, you know. Wow, 1997, the year that the machines took... No, never mind. Wrong wrong fictional universe. This is the real world here. And seriously, kids. They're musicians and they're kids. Now, is there any... Now, Jay, is there any other stories you can share with me about something musically that's just happened in your life that, like really, like, fits along with this? Because I know we've been talking about a lot of different child prodigy musicians and artists and stuff. Anything, um, any, any other cool stories you want to share off the bat? Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I, when I was, I could tell a little story. Um, when I was a kid, I had a band. I had a band, and uh, some of my members of my band, they were all kids, and we got this band together, and one uh, one or three of the members end up from his kids' band end up being famous musicians. One of them was a guy, his name is Eric Daniels. He's Mariah Carey's music director now, but he was in my band when, when we were kids. The other one, uh, his name is John Paris. Well, he happens to be the drummer for Earth, Wind, and Fire. But he, as a kid, he was in my band. And the other one was a female, <laughs> um, a female vocalist, and she was a kid, and her name is Bonnie Boyer. She passed uh, maybe about 10 years ago, but she ended up being Sheila E's and keyboard player and music director. And so I'm just wondering, I, 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 was, I, I have been surrounded by all these kids that end up becoming famous musicians. So, that, you know, I could share that with everybody. These, these guys are still playing, and he still works with Mariah Carey, still a music director. John Paris is still Earth, Wind, and drummer, and Bonnie has since gone on. And uh, But basically I could share that with uh with the audience out there. So we were kids, we grew up, and we became great musicians and music lovers. That's that that's amazing and you you remain friends with this these wow, these childhood friends who all of you, you included, have just like got on to have like sex, successful music careers. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. It's amazing from that little tiny thing, that little tiny band from high school, they all became uh, successful in their own right. So that tells you if you stay in school and you listen to your parents, that's the two keys, stay in school, but listen to your parents first, then stay in school, and you, anything you could do, anything you can dream of, you could, you could be. You could be. So for all the kids out there, those are the two things. Listen to your parents, stay in school, and practice your instrument, and you too will have a chance in this beautiful world of dreams. Wow. Wow. I know we've shared this before, but and I, I know that you've come from a musical background, but what is it that you love about music that 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 brought you to that point where 
that, yes, this is what I'm going to do as a career, and nothing is going to stop me with that. Well, for me, it's the fact that music is spiritual, and you can't, you know, you're like you can't touch it, but you can you can feel it, you know, and the feeling and what it gives to your heart, and, and it doesn't matter what kind of music it is, all music is good, you know. I'm not. It's just not yeah. like I, I like this type of music over this type of music. It's just the fact that you can feel it in the spiritual. And it's also, like I said in earlier shows, it has a time machine effect. Which can take you back to the forties or to the thirties or to the or up. It can take you to, to now, to present day. So you can go to every era and you can see what people were listening to at those periods of time and relive and react some of the uh, music expressions from those eras. So that's the thing I like about it. It's, it's universal and it can take you all over time periods. And that's the most that's that's the, that's the thing that I like about. Music, um, and it's all kinds of different flavors from all different cultures, and everybody uses it. It's been here since the beginning of time. I mean, I couldn't picture myself as doing anything else. This is what I love. So, so hopefully, uh, everything is on air here. Um, check me. For those here, um, welcome back. Hey, this is Ian here on Parents Kids Music. We're going to take a short break. Oh, so never mind. Here comes Jay. Hey, wow. Jay, um, welcome back. Oh, thanks very much. Uh, uh, I hope my question, my answer went through. Uh, what I love about music, and basically uh, what I was saying earlier is the fact that uh, every culture has a musical health. It has a musical background, and music is so spiritual, and that's what I like about it, where you can feel it, and you can feel whether it's good music or bad music. Or, I don't even think there is bad music, but you can kind of feel it, and basically it, you can use it as a time machine where you can go back into, into time and experience how music was in the 40s or the 30s or the 20s. You can see how people act back then and what they listened to, what the beat was, and what the tempo was. So this is what I like about music. It tells a story, and it's so global. It's so global that every culture has its own story. And I always wanted to play music all over the world when I was a kid for different people. And that's what I love about it, where everybody on our planet can appreciate it, every culture. It doesn't matter if you're Japan, Russia, Great Britain, America, you know, it's just beautiful, and this is what I love about music. So if that answers your question, Ian, that's why that's why I play music. Absolutely, that is beautiful. So our first guest right now has had some technical difficulties, and um, and maybe coming on later. So um, right now, um, you know, we'd like to open the phone lines if you're available. The number is six six one two four four nine eight zero zero. That is six six one 
2449800. We don't always have a time have a chance to speak to the general public and our listeners about what they experience in their relationships with parents and their kids when it comes to music. So come join us here on Parents Kids Music and give us a call and we'd love to hear from you. Actually wait, we actually do have a caller, so let me bring them in. Hi, this is Ian and Jay on Parents Kids Music. Who is this? Hey, Ian, it's Jake. Hello, Jake. Hey, welcome. Jake, meet Jay. Jay, meet Jake, meet Jay. Jake, Jake, Jake. Similar names. Hey, this this shouldn't and, be confusing and, at all. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so, Jay, I didn't have a chance to tell you that you and Jake have a lot in common in terms of being musicians and and having experience in touring and aspirations to be in the studio. Like, here, Jake, why don't you share a little bit about what you're currently up to? Sure. Uh, right now I'm in a band called Freelance Wales. Um, we've been on the road for the last year. Uh, actually, we leave for Europe tomorrow. We're doing a couple weeks over there. Um, we've played over 150 shows this year, and we've just been working hard, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to being back in New York and getting into the studio a bit and, uh, you know, kind of trying to begin a career as uh, as a as a session guy as much as I can, as much as that that scene is still alive in New York. So that is that is very cool. And what is it that got you? As we were asking Jay earlier, like, what is it that got you into becoming a musician, and what is it that attracted you to it growing up? Uh, it's a tough question. I haven't really figure that one out yet, but I know that um, when it came to drumming and, and all other um, extracurricular activities in my youth, I, I really liked to hit things. I was really into, and, you know, into sports where you got to hit stuff, and I was into karate, and uh, and then drums, you know, was the epitome of just smacking things. And it wasn't until much later that it became um, a, a musical um, aspiration for me instead of just a smacking things aspiration. <laughs> wow! I like to ask Jake, uh, what type of uh, drum set are you working with? What, what, what's working with Jake? What are you working with? <laughs> right on. Uh, well, I started uh, playing. I got a 1996 Pearl Export. It was, uh, you know, the standard back in the mid 90s. And um, then I bought my first drum set probably 10 years after that. Um, I got a Pacific, which is DW's. Uh, outsourced brand, and then um, I sold that, and I got a Yamaha hip gig because I was playing in New York, so it's the kind of kit that packs up into itself. Um, all the all the toms and the snares fit inside the kick drum. Uh, and that's what I'm still playing. You know, I've had that on the road for for the year, and I love the way it sounds. I've made my little modifications to it to make it a little bigger. I added a, a separate floor tom and my own snare, and uh, and all that stuff, but I, I just love Yamaha drums. I love the way they're tuned, and I'm not even sponsored by them, so this is actually me loving Yamaha drums. <laughs> what about hardware? What you doing? What kind of kick pedal? What you working with down there? What, what you got? Sure, yeah, I got a DW9000. Um, yeah. <laughs> I used to use I used to use a 5000, but I use the double chain 9000 now. Um, I don't use a double kick. I've never really gotten into that, but I really I like have being able to have a fast single foot and and I find that I'm able to do it best with the two chains on one pedal. And uh, and I use Tom Hardware for the most part. 
Um, okay. I think they make really good stuff. Tama and, and their their upscale brand is Iron Cobra. So I use a lot of that stuff. So so how, what what age did you start doing this stuff? Like what, what I mean, what age when you when you picked this show? How old were you when you start? When you started? Uh, I started in uh, high school. Well, not high school. In the, this you know public school marching band in about uh, uh, fourth grade. And I wow. got, I started training on the drum kit in 1998, so I was 13, um, and that was uh, about 12 years ago. So I've been playing on the kit ever since then. I took private lessons, and you know there was probably a year in there when I was in college and I didn't have a kit, so I didn't play. Um, and then I started taking lessons um, with a guy named Alejandro Lucini, who was uh, from Brazil, and he kind of changed wow. my whole outlook on everything, and um, you know taught me how to motivate myself. So, so do you do, do you tune your drums to like for the kids out here that want to be drummers? When you tune your drums, do you tune it to notes? I um I do try to tune to notes, uh, depending on the project. So, for freelance whales, um, when we're on the road, I pick one song where I play toms the most, and I tune to the one, three, and the five um, of the you know of the key of the song. It's in C sharp, so. You know, I tune to I tune to the one, three, and the five. Okay, so you tune major. So you tune to major to a major. Oh uh, uh, yeah, situation. it's in yeah that song's in major. Um, and if it were in minor, I'd you know I'd do it in minor. Okay, okay, okay. Well, that's very good for kids to know that drums have to be in tune, guys. So they do, yeah. Know. I uh, it drives me crazy to hear drummers that don't keep the drums in tune. They sound like they sound like garbage when you don't keep them in tune. So. So uh, did you? So when you were in the marching band, right? Um, were you? Um, is that something you liked to do when you did that? Yeah, I really loved it. I, you know, I think it's cool to do orchestral drumming and, and you know, uh, drumming where there's one individual for for one drum, and everybody plays their part very carefully and, um, you know, uh, deliberately. I think it's a really uh, interesting way to go about playing music. I mean, it's the original way that people were playing drums, so I think it's cool to go back to that. And it really helps to know how to read music, read, read drum music or any music, um, and that you know that was a really good foundation for me. And, and for the kids, I think, is that a hard thing to do, to read drum music? Is it, is it, how bad is it? Is it, uh, is it hard? Uh, you know, it certainly isn't for everybody, but I, um, I started taking music lessons when I was really young, um, so it was kind of, I don't want to say second nature because reading music is definitely still a struggle for me, but reading drum music was, you know, was a lot easier than reading piano music, so it was kind of a relief. <laughs> okay, okay. So did your parents inspire you to they take you to certain concerts to see different drummers like Def Leppard? I don't know, I'm just trying to see who you went to see, who inspired you as far as your drum teacher. You like playing drums. Did you have a drummer in some group, you know, to yeah, my, uh, watch? Yeah, my dad... My dad's a musician, um, and he, uh, you know, he plays like seven or eight instruments, and wow. he's very, uh, very proficient. And he he plays everything by ear. He's he's kind of out of his mind, but he's not actually out of his mind. He's very good at music, and um, and so he, you know, was always very nurturing. Uh, there was always a guitar lying around, always a, a piano. He used to play organ in a bar way before I was born, but you know, we had this organ lying around, and I was always I was never stopped from from hitting things or, you know, strumming things or just kind of experimenting on my own. Um, and that definitely, you know, has a, has carried on through the rest of my life. Um, he's, they, my, both my parents encouraged me 
to to pursue music, um, and they're still encouraging me to do that. And when it was just a hobby, they were happy. It was just a hobby, and when I decided I wanted to make it my career, they were, you know, they were fully in support of me making it my career. So. So when did you realize that you were good? Now you didn't take this from a kid, so to, you know, to now you're grown up and stuff, and now you want to do sessions and stuff. So when yeah. did you realize? When did you realize that this is what you wanted to do? You know, like one of the things that you wanted to do. Like, did you know when you were a kid, or did you just keep playing? Uh, I, yeah, that's a really good question. I think um, in my memory, I remember having this dream that I could just play music all the time, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, in reality, I don't think it was ever something that I realistically thought would happen. So I always had these. Uh, I always tried to satisfy myself with other plans, you know, like oh, I'll go to uh, I'll go to law school, and I had political aspirations when I was a little kid, and that excited me, so I'll do that, and you know that that never really sunk in, and never felt right, and uh, it wasn't until after college really that I I got a job, and I realized what it was like to be a grown up in America, and I realized that I really didn't want to have a, a regular job, and. And, uh, and I thought about what I loved doing the most, and it was playing the drums. And so I just started sharpening up and, and really going at it. Um, that's that's really what that was a turning point for me when I when I was kind of forced to do something else. Yeah. Did you have any like any kid friends that uh, your guitar player from high school or they're still playing along with you? Did, did, you, did anybody is anybody still there? That uh, from your yeah yeah I still um, I still play with my band from high school actually. Uh, We've gone through a bunch of different iterations since high school, but we still play together. Um, we still have shows in the city occasionally, and, you know, we jam every few weeks. Uh, it's kind of like a funk jam band. It's really a good time, and it's definitely what, you know, it's what um, started me getting interested in playing with bands was, was that band, and I'm still playing with them, which is really cool. Now, any of them went on to do just the, the things that you're doing, or are they just in the city and, and you're just, you know, done more? Have you grown as much as you have? Uh, yeah, they're definitely not, you know, they're not touring musicians or anything like that. Uh, one of the keyboard player tunes pianos. He owns a piano tuning company, and so, you know, he does get to be around music all the time. Um, but I don't have any friends from high school or or college, really, that are full-time touring musicians. Um, yeah, I mean, one, of, one of my peers from college who uh, actually taught me a lot when I was there, his name's Corey Brecker. He lives in Chicago, and he teaches you know, drums and piano, and he does a lot of teaching, and, and his band uh, is Conductive Alliance, and they go on the road sometimes for short spurts here and there. But that's the, that's, uh, the closest. And the other thing, did, All right. you with, did you get to jam with your father? Uh, just want to know, you know, he's playing all his instruments. Did you get to, like, jam with him in the in any of the, you know, places he's playing? Yeah, yeah. I've gotten to play with him a couple of times. Um, he plays the keyboard mostly. Like I said, he plays the organ in the bar. So he's really, you know, he picks up everything on the keyboard. He can play anything by ear after hearing it one time. So uh, there have definitely been a few times where we just sat down and, and, you know, I had my drum kit and set up in the basement and he had his, keyboard set up in the basement and just start playing. Sometimes he'd fill in for a member of a band that couldn't make it to practice or something like that. That's, okay, that's well, the perfect bench player to have. Your exactly, yeah. He's a really good, a really good bench player. Excellent. Yeah, so um, 
So let's just go back a little bit before playing music about listening to music and what was it that you, the music you were listening to growing up, what, like, what did, what was it like growing up in your house with your family and the music that was played on the radio or on records or CDs? Um, my dad likes a lot of kind of old fogey music is what I used to call it when I was a kid. You know, um, it's stuff that I kind of like now, but back then it seemed really lame. Like Dave Grusin, Joshua Redman, music really, really awesome horn players that played, uh, you know, adult contemporary jazz stuff. But, you know, now it seems so impressive to me as someone that, that wants to be a musician. But back then it was like, it was, <laughs> it was like a joke, you know, uh, there were no words. It was just, you know, these dudes going on solos and playing the forms of old jazz standards, and I thought it was kind of lame. Um, and my mom really was into, and still into, adult contemporary stuff, so, you know, we'd listen to, it was in, in New York, New Jersey's Magic 98.3, I would, you know, food shopping, we'd, we'd be in the car listening to 98.3. Um, and so that was, you know, that was the initial experience with music, and, and certainly, you know, a lot of Beatles, a lot of James Taylor, a lot of those amazing artists from the 60s and 70s that um, kind of shaped music forever. Not to not to just write those guys off as uh, ineffective. I think the Beatles are still one of my favorite bands. So. I think for many people as well. And, and Jake, I mean, you just like unlocked a big part of this show where there are things that you listen to when you're growing up that you can't stand, yet as an adult you can appreciate it and like it. And that's like a big part yeah. of this about about really like how much or how little your parents and your family have influence on you musically. Yeah, it's really interesting to see, um, you know, the stuff. Well, I mean, like you said, the stuff when I was a kid that, that I kind of wrote off as a as a joke that my dad listened to this and we all laughed about it and he couldn't listen to it when I was in the car, you know, made these silly rules. And now, like, I'll pick it out of my iPod, you know, I'll look for it. Absolutely. Like, I just remember as a kid, like, being in the car, my parents would play, like, Light FM and, like, the long and winding road would come on and I did not connect it to this is the Beatles or this is something. And this weird how, like, let it, be like all these years later is like one of my favorite Beatles albums. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Long Winding Road is my favorite Beatles song, so it's a good example. Absolutely. Yeah, so do you have any siblings? I have a sister, yep. She um she is thirty four. Um and she uh is a doctor, but she was also a singer when she was younger and did a lot of theater, a lot of a cappella in college. Um, and seeing her with her, you know, relative success um, singing was definitely an inspiration to me growing up. Um, I sang my first opera with her when I was three. She was 12. Great. And then, um, you know, I've continued singing, and she continued singing up through college. Um, and then med school, I think, got a little too much, uh, took up a little too much of her time. But I continued singing through college as well, and even afterwards um, in New York I sang uh, with an adult choir. Wow, so, so so I see a lot of like performing together, but anything about listening to music together, like like did you like what was your first concert? Um, my first concert was the Beach Boys. I was five. <laughs> um, well, maybe five or six, and my parents took me to the it was the old Garden State Art Center, 
um, in Homedale, New Jersey, and John Famous was their drummer for the tour. <laughs> wow. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, that was my first concert. That was pretty cool. That is cool. I mean, I mean, even with the corporate name, that is still a pretty cool venue. Yeah, definitely. It's a cool venue. Um, and you know, I continued going to concerts with my parents for a long time. We saw, um, went to Billy Joel a bunch of times. My dad and my sister and I and my mom were all huge Billy Joel fans. And, um, and um, I went to my first blues show with my dad. It was uh, John Mayer's first uh, trio show in New York City, like right when he started deciding he wanted to play the blues and before he decided to stop playing the blues. <laughs> so it was that very that very short moment of pop star John Mayer being musician John Mayer. Yeah, yeah he got excellent for like a, a couple of years and I, I felt privileged to see the birth of that and then kind of sad to see the death of it. For now, at least. Yeah, for now, right. And he's pretty young, so maybe he'll be a 70-year-old awesome blues guitarist. I mean, he probably will be. He's an awesome guitarist. Absolutely. He'll, he's one of those people It doesn't matter what it is. And, I mean, it's kind of like Eric Clapton, who's performed in so many different forums and so many different kinds of bands, different kinds of music, and yet, yet it all fits in together. Yeah. Yeah, so so with your experience of music growing up to the point of where you are now, like what advice would you have for for people about accepting or rejecting what you get from your family growing up music-wise? Uh it's a good question. I mean, it was easy for me to accept everything I got from my family um, because everybody was very encouraging, and you know, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, super critical of the things that uh, that I was listening to. Uh, but for someone who's forced to listen to stuff that they don't like, you know, I think it's important to have your own musical taste and uh, pursue your own musical aspirations. And you know, if you're if your parents don't encourage you, I, I can I can see how difficult that would be for people. Um, but if you really like have, did you have then, did you have friends who just couldn't stand what their parents were playing in the car? Uh, I'm sure that I, I you know I don't really remember off the top of my head, but I'm sure that I had friends that couldn't stand, and I'm sure that most parents can't stand what their kids are listening to. You know, I think that's an even bigger challenge. Because it's easy for kids to access new music, but it's really difficult for for adults um, of our parents' generation, at least, to access stuff that we're listening to. Um, you know, like I introduced my parents to Arcade Fire, and it was great. But when I was young, there was no there was no Arcade Fire. There was no uh, there was no band like that. That was uh, you know a unifier for many generations. Absolutely. I'm- Jay, any um, any any final questions for Jake? Yes, I do. Um, this is on the technical side of things. I would like yeah. to know, Jake, what do you think about the new electronic drums and the like, the new digital software that you record? You don't actually bring your kit in. You bring in a rolling kit or a Pearl kit or a Lisa's kit. 
Did you touch on that a little bit? What do you think about it? And is it cool or is it not cool? Yeah, I mean, I think I think to work electronics in with um, acoustic drums, for lack of a better term, um, is an interesting production technique that's getting more and more popular. I I'm very against replacing drums with electronic drums. I think you can really you lose a lot of dynamics when you just lose sorry lose dynamics when you just use electronics. Um, but at the same time, if you have like a Roland SPDS. Uh, which is a sampler, and you can use that in a live show or in the studio to get sounds from your drums that you could never get otherwise. Um, if you're using it as an expansion thing, a tool, it's, it's uh, you know, I think it's it's great, it's admirable. It's just one more thing that you have to hit even more precisely. Um, <laughs> but if you're just, you know, if you're just putting on a track and you hit play and you play along to it, I think that's kind of boring. And and as a as an audience member, I'm always pretty disappointed by that. And the, and the other question I have for you is the going back into time, do you feel drums are still used as a type of communication? Like you're back in the old jungle days and where drums were used as cell phones. Could you touch on that a little bit? What do you think about the yeah. communication? Um I I think to certain people drums are still you know, certainly not used as communication, but I think musically, depending on the musicians you're playing with, um, drums, you know, are the they're like the operator. They're the hub that everything goes through, and and you kind of defer to the drummer on on all dynamic changes. And if you watch the Roots play, you defer to the drummer on your chord changes, on what part of the song you're in. I mean, you literally just look to Questlove for every single thing that goes on in the entire song, and he makes the call. Um, and then there are other musicians who who you know everything is composed very. Uh, very deliberately, and everybody plays their part, and there's not a ton of interaction going on sometimes. But other times there is, you know. Uh, I think it just depends on the band and the musicians in that band. Leave us with your... Not the, you know, I know you got favorite drummers, but give us the three top drummers that inspired you. Sure. Uh, Carter Beaufort of the Dave Matthews Band. Uh, Mitch Mitchell of the Jimi Hendrix Experience. And uh, this is a tough one. Can I say one of my teachers, or does it have to be a renowned, a renowned drummer? It could be, your, it could, it could it could be, be anyone. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mentioned Alejandro Lucini before, uh, and and he really, you know, uh, in terms of my philosophy uh, on on learning and how to grow, and my my level of discipline and motivation. I mean, he defined all those things for me. So uh, I would go with him. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jake, for joining us yeah. today. And Thank you, guys. Thank you, sharing your background. Thank you, Jake. Thank you very much. Yeah. Take it easy, guys. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Jake, for calling in. And now, if you think it's snowy in New York, just imagine just how, how much worse it must be further up in New England than in Rhode Island. Jim, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello, Jim. It's Ian in New York, and I'm meeting Jay out in California. Hello. Hi. How you doing there? I'm doing great. A little tired from shoveling, but... Is it, is it true what Ian said? Is more snow up where you're at? I I have no idea how much snow there is in New York, so... <laughs> I, I, I just can't count it. I just know we have a lot of snow. I just couldn't even 
Like, I just couldn't even just park my car in my driveway last night. I had to put it into a garage a mile away. So I, I have a five-foot wall up. along my sidewalk. Wow. Wow, it's well, like these, like, people. Yeah, so... Hello, Jay. I can feel, like, the reception going in and out. Yeah, so... Yeah, so Jim, how about if you share with us some of your experiences about your musical taste now and just really the story of, like, your experiences just growing up and where it's, how it's brought you to where you are today. Well, now I kind of, it's cliche, but I, I kind of listen to a little bit of everything. Um, it wasn't always that way. Um, growing up, I listened to a lot of oldies music. Um, we had a radio station in Connecticut that I listened to all the time that there was like the 50s, 60s oldies. Um, for, for reference, I'm, I'm 31 years old. So, um, so it's, it's music of my parents' generation really that I, I listened to mostly growing up. Um, and the earliest band I can remember that was my favorite band would be the, the Beach Boys. Um, and then, then it kind of transitioned into the Beatles. Um, and I listened to some other stuff here and there and went through a weird nineties hip hop phase and. Hey, who did it dark time? I mean, every time it snows, I think about that Canadian rapper snow. <laughs> And now, now primarily, I listen. To, uh, Fish is my favorite band. Um, I listen to a lot of bluegrass, a lot of other jammy type music. Still, lots of classic rock. I still love the Beach Boys. I still love the Beatles. Um, I mean, I don't know anyone who loves music who can't say they love, don't love the Beatles. Um, but. So it's just a just a complete opening and. And what was it that that experience like? Like, what is, was your relationship with your parents when it came to music? Did you talk to them much about what was on the radio and like learn about like who is this? Who is this artist that's on here or so? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I primarily talked to my mother about that kind of stuff. My, my father, my mother, my mother was a hippie in, in the in the late sixties, early seventies. Um, so she, she kind of liked that scene. Um, I'm not, not so much like Grateful Dead type hippie, but, um, like the general vibe of it. She liked, uh, the Jefferson Airplane and, um, I think when she was a kid, she, uh, she tried to be a rebel when the Beatles came to the United States and she liked, she was a, she really liked the Dave Clark Five instead and. Um. So, uh, she she'd probably be my biggest influence, I guess. But ni- neither of my parents are really all that into music. Um, growing up, and so it was kind of whatever's on the radio is what we listened to, sort of thing. Um, I mean, my my vote was always the oldie station when I was younger. 
And what and at about what age do you feel that changed and you realize okay, there's more than just these oldies? I I started probably probably when I was in like middle school, like twelve, thirteen, I started to listen to a little bit more classic rock. Um, so I, I kinda moved from the fifties, sixties into the the late sixties, seventies, um, to the early eighties kind of deal. Um and around then I started to to move with the times and I, I still listen to um I mean I growing up in the early that, that was probably like ninety two ish, um, ninety three. So I was kind of into the some of the newer music but not really. Um probably not until high school did I really start to listen to a lot of newer music, um, I guess. And, and when high school came, I I started listening to almost everything, really. Um, primarily rock music, um, less rap and country. Um, I almost never listen to classical, even now. Um, but in high school, I was I, I really um, I was really into the the mighty mighty boss tones, um, some other ska music. Um, and that's when I started listening to Fish and um, some of the other like bands that were big in the nineties. Like, did you care yeah, much but... of like the whole Seattle grunge scene at that at its peak? Um, they were, most of my friends were not into um, like Nirvana. Um, I mean, I, I still prefer Pearl Jam to Nirvana and I, I say they kind of started the whole grunge thing even though they weren't really grungy um, but I, I had some friends who were into Pearl Jam I didn't have too many friends that were really into Nirvana at the time um, I wasn't really into Nirvana um, I actually didn't start liking them until halfway through college I'd say um but Pearl Jam, I Long didn't after Kurt was gone. Yeah, <laughs> basically. But um, yeah, so the, the grunge scene wasn't it wasn't wasn't huge in my high school. I, I I went to a private high school, and there were there there was the hip hop crowd, and then there was there were a lot of like neo hippie type listening to Fish, listening to. Um, some acoustic music. Um, there was a, there were a bunch of ska kids. Um, a lot of kids into like punk type music, and a lot of classic rock fans. But there were there were very little that were into very few that were into the like the grunge scene. Got it. As every as everyone has their different ways and different groups like. Probably like not a single person I went to high school can even tell me who Fish was, except for the few I took to shows. <laughs> they were they were huge in my high school, and and there were there were a lot of people who there were a lot of people who absolutely hated them, and there were then there were the people who absolutely loved them, and um, I was kind of in the middle there and kind of started to listen to them more and more, and they they really blew up for me and. Uh, my freshman year in college. 
Wow. Yeah, so, Jay, you had a question for Jim? Yeah, um, I wanted to ask him, tell us a little bit of some of the concerts that you might have went to either. Did you go to any concerts with your parents as a child or growing up? Did they take you to see anyone? Did, did you remember? When, when the – I don't – I the first concert I probably ever attended, um, believe it or not, would, probably would have been Arlo Guthrie, but I would have been like six, and I don't think I remembered it. Um, but the town I lived, grew up in, had a, a summer festival every year on the on the town green, um, and a big part of that was a concert. Um, and Arlo Guthrie played the first concert, the first one, the first Brantford festival that they ever had, um, and that was in like 1985. So I, I was about five, six years old. Um, so I don't don't necessarily remember that. Um, and so I I I attended every single one of those Bradford festivals until um I think until I moved to Rhode Island. Um which had been about seven years ago. So um and even so I'd go to a couple of them. Um but they used to have a lot of um local bands too that would play. Um there was a group called Eight to the Bar. Um they were kind of like a art like a jazzy swing Fun to, I mean, can't really describe their music. It's kind of fun, um, and so I, I would see them. Um, and the, the first real concert, I guess, I went to um, would be the Beach Boys and the Moody Blues. Though we left after like the first one or two songs from the Moody Blues, the Beach Boys opened, um, and that was, I think, sixth or seventh grade. Did any of the bands come to your high school? Like some of the, any, of the, any of the bands come perform there? Maybe some of the local bands there that the high school that you went to? Did you have any uh, entertainment? Did they share? I, 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 went, I went to a, a private Catholic high school. Um, it was actually 45 minutes from my house, um, and we'd have the high school bands that you know the various bands that people from the high school itself had, but there was never a concert there from any other regional local bands. Um, and, and even, I, I actually didn't really go to any concerts when I was in high school. Um, I think the last concert I went to before I had gone to college was a second time seeing the Beach Boys. Um, and that was right before I went to high school. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> So, so your favorite band now is is Fish. Is that what your favorite band is now? As a being thirty one years yeah. old, is that? Uh, What's that? Your, I wanted to know what's your second favorite band. Also, probably the band. Okay. If I had to pick one, and that that actually came from an influence from my stepfather, um, who told us stories about how he'd. Every year, a friend of his would have a uh, like a party, and they'd all go and um, sit and watch the last waltz. Wow! And so I, I started listening to the band and um, really got into them. And they, they, if if Fish didn't exist, it would definitely be them. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so um, do you? I want to ask him one last thing. I want to ask him about: uh, Do you have a huge? CD collection, or do you have a music collection still that you have that you that you built on? 
I have if if you don't count live shows that I've downloaded off the internet, <laughs> I have um I have over 400 CDs like actual albums that were released. Wow. That I've bought or have been given. So, I I still enjoy collecting CDs. Um haven't kind of started to get into the MP3 thing. And that collection's even bigger than what I have in CDs. But but I see that you love live music and that's great. So you you enjoy that more? Oh yeah, I've been um since college, since I started actually going to concerts more often, I love going to see live music. I actually prefer live music to um just listening to a studio album. That's good. That's wonderful. That's what we need. That's what we need to know on our show because the live music you know, I, I went. I want to say I went to a uh, the National Association of Music Merchants, and the whole thing mm-hmm. down there, Ian and Jimmy, was the fact that they had live music, and without that, it's no need. It's no need to release a CD if you can't sound like yourself when people come see you, and um, it's so important. So I'm I'm so glad that you like live music. So I just want to give you a a plus on that and a big thumbs up. Kudos to you because <laughs> live music, live live music is what it is. Everything else is after the fact. So just wanted to give that to you. Even yeah, though everything yeah. does have its value, the live music, the recorded music, the recordings of live music, it, right. yeah, it's right. Without the recordings of live music, I wouldn't probably wouldn't listen to half the bands I listen to now. Right. Right. I mean, just so much, so much connection, just so much marketing power, just like even just at a grassroots level, just word of mouth, just just really just like decades of tape trading that's since moved to just being able to download a show, a soundboard copy, like to, uh, before you even get home from the venue. Right. <laughs> it's amazing yeah. technology and where, and where it's gone. So what would what would you say to the kids that are coming up today about going to live concerts and supporting live music? What would you what would you have to say to them if you had to? They asked you about live music. I, I would tell them to ask their parents to bring them to concerts. Wow. That's that's okay. probably one of my uh, biggest disappointments is I'd never really gone to concerts. I mean, my parents weren't all that big into music, but I'd never really other, other than the the Brantford Festival which was just in our hometown, um, never really went to concerts, um, which is part of the reason why it didn't never really start going until I went to college. Well, you sure did get, you know, you, Jim, you really did uh, start doing live music things. So it's, it's, it's amazing that your parents didn't really do that with you, but when you grew up, you grew into that. And so that's... Uh, that's amazing in itself because usually people need to be pushed and took into most of these kids today. They need to know about the live instruments and they need to know about the live concerts and they need to know so so music stays alive, you know. And I'm glad that you, you you're saying that to our listening audience because that's what needs to be done. And the, the, even the musicians, the music stores need to start bringing the instruments to the schools so they can see what they do, so they can enjoy them. I don't care if it's an oboe or violin or electric guitar. Um, we have a lot of of schools that don't have instruments, and that's what needs to do to regenerate this musical thing, this thing we call Absolutely. music. 
Yeah, so, um, yeah, so Jim, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Do you have any final thoughts on just the state of just music and just the relationships that you have with your family and with your parents as a result or not as a result of the music you listen to? Um, I, parents are a huge influence on the type of music kids listen to, so... Um, I mean, even though my parents weren't big into music, they they did the music they listened to. My my, my mother, my father, and my stepfather, um, all the music they listened to was all um, something that has affected me and my taste in music and my desire to seek out more music. So if, if parents out there listen to music with your kids, for kids out there, ask your parents to bring you to a concert. Excellent. Thank, thank you so much, Jim, for joining us today. Thanks, sure. Jim. And, 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 and good luck finishing that shoveling. Oh, it's <laughs> done, finally. <laughs> All right. In that case, relax or something because the mountains of snow are going to be there for a few weeks at least. A at few least. days. <laughs> All right. All right, Jim. Thank talk you. to you soon. Bye. All right. Bye. Wow, Jay, what what a great pair of guests we had today, both of them with their own individual musical influences. I mean, we had Jake being the musician, the drummer, who just basically is not only just picked up like the music that his, he listened to with his parents, but the fact that his father sometimes even plays with him in, in his bands. And then we had Jim, who has just, just grown up just exploring music from different places, not necessarily getting his entire musical taste from his parents, but just being able to find his own way and to remain influenced and just show, just clearly showing his love of live music. Yeah, I like, I like both our guests. Jim was very amazing showing his love of live music and how, and, and his sharing with us how important it is for, for, for parents to take their kids to events to see live music and, and sharing that time with them. So I, I, I like that about Jim because it gave, gave, gave us a different uh, perspective of how important it is to share time with your kids and have a great musical health. And on the other hand, Jake was very – helped in the educational thing to kind of teach the kids about drums and how you tune them and, 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 and how his dreams have become a reality, which that showed – that, you know, if you work hard and you work hard and you listen to your parents, stay in school, you can, your dreams can come true of being a musician. So it was two different sides. That was very amazing, Ian, and I really appreciate these guests being on the show because it showed two different sides of how you can appreciate your music and have a great musical health in your family. Absolutely. And once again, thank you, Jim, and thank you, Jake, for being on the show today. Now, before we end the show, I know that Jay and I would like to share a website we've been sharing with you guys the last few weeks on Parents, Kids, Music, and that is whatisyourtreasure.net. And, yes, it's .net. You got that, Jay? <laughs> .net. I, .net. I got it now. .net. <laughs> .net. I mean, Jay, what, Jay what, what, what today do you treasure from the last week of your life? What is it that? What like moments, what experiences, what relationships would you never 
Even if they give you a million dollars to undo or to let go, you would not do. Um, well, there's a, there's a lot of things, but today, my health. <laughs> I think, you know, your health, you can't do anything without it. You can't function. You can't You can't do anything. So I treasure my health and also the health of others, you know, everybody, you know, that's in the hospital, you know, with, with all the diseases going around, cancer and all these other things. Your health is very important. So today I treasure my health and the health of the world, you know, and that's very important to me. So that's what I treasure today, this this week. It'll, it'll is, change, Ian. It changes, Ian. You know, it changes, you know. So this week is that. This week it fluctuates. For me, my treasure is just being a, just having, having a home. And just in, in like, tough, in, in times like the dead of winter, the fact that I have a place I can call home, I have food, I'm able to drive Yay. around unless, unless the road conditions are so bad that you can't drive around and have to keep your car a mile away. But I'm just so, I'm just so, like, grateful for what's in my life right now. That's great. And that's, that's I like that. I like that. And, um, yes, and you, yes, and that's a big part of whatisyourtreasure.net, where we invite you to share with us your stories about what it is that's important to you in your life. Yeah, and I, I I encourage everybody to go there and, and, and share your treasure because we have tons and tons of people who have written on there and shared their treasures, and uh, we never get enough people because we would like to know. We would like to know what is your treasure. Absolutely. So so that's it for another wonderful week of Parents Kids Music. I'd like to inform you next week our show will once again be on Thursday like it is today at same same bat time, same bat channel here at 3 p.m. where Jay and I will be back with some some other amazing guests who will share with you the relationships that they have with their parents and and if they're if they are parents, their children and the music that they create. And Jay, thank you so much for joining us again. What a what a great show we had. Thanks again. Yes, we have great right. show today. All right, thank you, and we will see you next week. Next week.